0: Well, today we are concluding this series titled, Won't You Be My Neighbor? And, um, you know, we're going to start a new series, teaching series, next week titled, Living Life on Mission. And so today's one of these transitional moments between uh, this series and next series. We're going to conclude and yet also set up. Um, what the Lord's going to do in this community next month? So I want to read one passage of Scripture from First Peter chapter three, beginning in verse twelve. 1 Peter chapter three, beginning in verse twelve. If you did not get a sermon card when you came in, you can put your hand in the air. I know uh, maybe some of you didn't, and you'll be served at this time. At First Peter chapter three, beginning in Verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, and who is He who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. Do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. With meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, Those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. I want to preach a message today titled, The Red Room. The Red Room. And before I do, I want to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that name is above everything. Lord, in that name. All that we need for life and godliness has been provided. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would shine your light into hearts and minds, that the anointing of God would break strongholds, that you would, Lord, renew a right spirit within us, that, Lord, you would continue to work to will and to do. We thank you. The blood of Jesus silences the plans of the enemy. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. I yield to you, Holy Spirit, make much of Jesus. In his name I pray, amen. I recently read of a couple who took a trip to France. And during their time there, they got a personal tour of an old family castle, a chateau. And this chateau had been passed down generation upon generation in this same family. And they were taken by the owners throughout the castle. And they were brought to a room And as they entered this room, this room was referred to as the Red Room. While they were there in the Red Room, the owners, the current family owners of the chateau, informed this couple that every proper castle was to have a red room set aside for the king. That if the king were traveling, he would always know that the nearest castle had a room set aside only for Him. It made me think, what if the King of the Kingdom of God, Jesus Christ, was traveling through our area today? Is there room set aside for Him? What if Jesus the King wanted to travel through our calendar next month? Is there room set aside for Him? What if Jesus the King wanted to manifest in our homes? Is there room set aside for Him? What if Jesus the King wanted to manifest in our neighboring? Is there room set aside for him? What if Jesus the King wanted to manifest in our work and in our career? Is there room set aside for him? What if Jesus wanted to come in our finances? Is there room set aside for him? What if Jesus the King wanted to come today in our gathering? Is there room set aside for him to do just that? Notice here the Apostle Peter in our text in verse 12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Here Peter is quoting from the psalmist, Psalms 34. And he says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. What we find out is the Lord sees when we begin to set aside room for Him in the areas of our life. The eyes of the Lord are scanning and looking for someone who would begin to make preparation to set aside room for him in the areas of their life. In fact, the Lord loved going to Bethany. And he loved going to Bethany not because it was a city that was, uh, in his mind, better than other cities, but he loved going to Bethany because Lazarus, Mary, and Martha always had a place prepared to welcome him. So you got to understand that the new covenant is set up in a unique fashion, in a unique way. Jesus Christ has completed his work. There is the finished work of Jesus Christ that has established the new covenant. And he has been seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And there he waits for us to utilize and appropriate what he has made possible. He is there waiting, and the eyes of the Lord are waiting and watching. For the people of God to appropriate, to set in their heart, to purpose in their heart, to receive what He's made available, to prepare a place, to prepare a room for the King. In fact, this is why you find throughout the New Testament scriptures, scriptures such as James 4 and verse 8 that says, Draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. Humble yourselves in the sight of God, and He will lift you up. Hebrews 11.6 says, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews 10 and 19 says, having confidence to boldly enter His presence, let us draw near. So often we don't don't understand the, the thrust of the new covenant and we get pushed into a negative form of passivity where we're waiting for God to draw near. And yet Jesus' eyes are scanning, waiting for us to draw near. And the promise is that if we'll draw near, He'll draw near. Jesus' eyes are on the righteous. He's looking for those who will prepare a room for Him. So you got to understand God's intent. What is referred to as His eternal purpose of why He has created all that we see. God's intent from the beginning of creation was for Him to dwell here on earth with us. However, since the rebellion of mankind, God has been seeking a dwelling place on earth in the midst of His creation. And here we learn that God's eyes are directed by His ultimate will and intention and desires. His eyes are directed by His will to dwell amongst us, to dwell in our midst. God's eyes are scanning and looking for those who will purpose and prepare a red room, a place for him to dwell, a place set aside for him. It's what one of the prophets that is uh, not known much of, Hanani. He was a seer during the days of King Asia. And in Second Chronicles 16 and 9, he said to the king, he said, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Now when we hear the phrase loyal to him, we might come to a wrong conclusion of what that means. But in the Hebrew, to have a heart that's loyal to him means to have a heart that is relying on him because none of us start off being completely mature and and perfect in the sense of how the New Testament uses it, of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. But to have a loyal heart is to have a heart that looks to the Lord, that looks to trust and rely on the Lord day in and day out, season after season, in the mountains, in the valleys, through all seasons of life. A heart that is loyal to Him is a heart that relies on Him. The context was the king of Judah and how he was responding and dealing with war. The prophet said, hey, in wars in time past you relied on the Lord, but now you're relying on yourself. And the Lord's eyes is scanning throughout the earth because He wants to show and demonstrate His strength on our behalf. What does it mean? It means the Lord is looking for those who are looking. The Lord is looking for those that are looking to Him. The Lord is looking for those that are trusting in Him. The Lord is looking for those that will rely on Him. Not just in the good times, but in the difficult times. Not just in the times where what's happening makes sense, but in the times when what's happening doesn't make sense. The question that hits me today, and I believe confronts us all today, are, are you purposed? Are you purpose? What do you mean, Pastor Chad? Well, the word purpose means to set as an aim to set as an intent, an intention, and a goal. Are you purposed to seek the Lord? Are you purposed in your heart to trust Him? Are you purposed to have a red room prepared for the King? The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and He's just looking for a heart that will get purposed, a heart that would just has an aim to trust Him, to rely on Him, to look to Him, to hold fast to Him. Let me talk for a moment about the red room of our hearts. The Lord is looking for a red room and He's looking for the red room of our hearts. Notice in, there in our main text, 1 Peter 3 and verse 12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and His ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Notice here that the righteous have open hearts in prayer. Why? Because The Lord's ears are open. A lot of times the reason why people's hearts are closed and they are not motivated to have a life of prayer is because they're not recognizing that the ears of the Lord are open to their cries, open to their needs, open to their prayers. But when you understand that the Lord's eyes are open to you, that His ears are open to your requests, it allows you to open your heart to Him in prayer. Many people are closing their hearts in prayer because they're believing the lie that what they're facing or what they're going through, that the Lord's eyes are not upon them or His ears are not open to them. Listen to me. Many people do not simply, many people do not pray simply because they do not have a designated or predetermined place to pray. Can you imagine missing out on the Luxury and opportunity to be able to boldly come before the throne of grace through trusting and relying upon the blood of Jesus, of missing out on taking that opportunity we have in the new covenant simply because we've not purposed to have a red room in our hearts, to have a place to pray. In fact, many people do not pray simply because they do not have a designated or predetermined time to pray. Are you purpose today? Are you purposed to set aside a red room of prayer? A heart of prayer because the Lord's eyes are open, His ears are open towards you? Having an open heart in prayer because His ears are open towards you? Listen, I've never met, nor have I ever heard of a godly, spirit-filled man or woman of God that did not have the consistent practice of spiritual disciplines in their life. Listen, spiritual disciplines are like anchors used by the Holy Spirit when we start to drift in our hearts. See, I live long enough to know and to experience that there are things that come into the life of even the righteous that if you don't have already the grace of God preparing you through spiritual disciplines, you're not going to be in the right posture to be able to respond correctly. Your heart's going to drift from relying on the Lord. Your heart's going to drift from trusting the Lord. This is the power of spiritual disciplines. And notice here in our text in First Peter, Peter is bringing up the theme of spiritual disciplines. That the Lord's eyes are on the righteous and He's open to their prayers. The theme of spiritual disciplines. I have found that those who don't consistently open the Bible do not live with an open understanding that the eyes of the Lord are on them, the righteous. Listen, it's so easy then, it's inevitable to drift. It becomes inevitable to to not have our hearts be a red room set apart, ready for the King. Notice then in verse 15 in our text, Peter says, but sanctify... The Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. The Greek word here sanctify it means to set apart the Lord, to set apart the Lord in your hearts as Lord. That what in the beginning when we responded to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and we confessed Him as Lord, this is the practical outworking in the day-to-day activities of life of allowing Him to sit as Lord in our hearts. Hearts is the Greek word cardia. It's the seat of affections. It's the seat of our desires. It's the seat of our will. So this is the surrendering practically to His Lordship, where we let Him sit as Lord in our heart regarding the issues of life. We allow the Lord to sit as Lord in our desires, in our passions, in our pursuits, in our affections, in the goals, in the intent of our life. It's like what the Spirit of Wisdom says in Proverbs 4 and 23, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life, Do you know how you keep your heart with all diligence? You keep your heart by letting Jesus sit as Lord in your heart. So we are diligent to engage in spiritual disciplines because spiritual disciplines become ways that the Holy Spirit moves us or keeps us allowing Jesus to sit as Lord over the affections, the desires, the intents, the pursuits, the passions, the goal of our life. And when Jesus sits as Lord within, He can flow into the issues of our life without. When Jesus sits as Lord within, He can flow into the issues of your life without. Are you purposed? Are you purposed to have a red room set apart for Jesus the King? His eyes are looking just for one who will purpose it. Listen, you say, well, Pastor Chad, I, I, I've i not had a heart that's purposed to have a heart that's set aside for the King by engaging in spiritual disciplines. That's okay. His eyes are looking today. Will you just purpose it? That's why the new covenant... The first elementary teaching of relating to the king, the Messiah, is repentance from dead works. There is available today the option of changing the purpose of your heart, changing the intent of your mind. You could have come in and not having purpose to set aside your heart as a red room for the king, but you can leave today determined that I'm going to set aside a red room for the king Jesus Christ. I am now purposed that my goal and aim is to set aside through the theme of spiritual disciplines a heart for the king of kings and lord of lords, Jesus Christ, who is worthy. But then secondly is that as you purpose and you be able and you begin to engage in spiritual disciplines it's through that that he's placed as priority in your desires in your will and in your life spiritual disciplines serve the aim and the intent that Jesus the king is the priority of our ambition the priority of our pursuit, the priority of our life. So there is the red room of our hearts. Let me talk next about the red room of our homes. Notice there in 1 Peter 3, and verse 13, he says, And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Notice the phrase, become followers of what is good. Become followers of what is good. The red room of our homes, of having a place, a home that's set apart for the king, where we have purpose to be a follower of what is good. See, oftentimes when it comes to our our home life, or those of us that are parents, oftentimes we deal with the question, "Well, what about this? My my friend's family, or or my friend's home, or or what about they see in culture that that other families do X, Y, and Z, or other homes are allowed to do X, Y, and Z?" But listen, we like Joshua will have to have a as for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit. we got to have a a red room of our home. we got to have a home that's set apart for the king, that we understand that that other homes and other families and other marriages and and other child-rearing ways might do it one way. But as for me and my house, we're going to have a red room home. We're going to have a home that is dedicated and set apart for the king. It's like what we talked about last week laboring is neighboring. That in our home, we're going to have a red room home that's set apart. We're going to labor to keep the unity of the Spirit. We're going to labor to do good in learning how to listen to one another. We're going to learn how to love by listening and love by looking and love by laying down our life. We're going to learn to love by asking before we give advice and counsel and yet giving of ourselves before we get our own needs met. We're going to Learn to have a red room type home, a home that's set apart to follow what is good. Whether culture will applaud it, whether culture says it's good or not. Notice he says that even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you're blessed. You're blessed. And don't be afraid of the threats nor be troubled. In Proverbs 5:21, the spirit of wisdom says, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and He ponders all his or her paths. Listen, He sees we are purposed, then He ponders our path. Listen, He sees we are purposed, and then He ponders our path. When He sees that you have purposed your heart, that you're going to have a red room heart, you're going to have a heart that is set apart apart, For the king, when he sees your purpose and your intent to have a red room heart and to make room for him then watch this he begins to ponder your path of how to bring about what you've purposed in your heart this is the power of the new covenant that in the law of liberty there's many things that God doesn't make his children experience there are many things that is just open to his children but he won't make us pursue it but in the law of liberty he's just looking his eyes are looking for a heart that purposes that I want I have a conviction for this in my life. And when he sees a purposed heart, he begins to ponder the path of how to bring it to pass. Are you purposed to have a red room set apart? Are you purposed to do good? Are you purposed for your house to do good, to be followers of good, to not grow weary in well-doing? Then he begins to ponder your path of how to bring it about. This is the theme, listen, of spiritual delight. Peter moves from the theme of spiritual disciplines to the theme of spiritual delight. Of delighting in doing good. Listen, not for the results that it brings, but delight in doing good just for good sake. For God's sake. Because what Peter says is, is doing good in your family might lead to some type of suffering. So if I'm just willing to do good, if I'm just willing to have a red room home when things are going well, then that means I'm vulnerable to not have a red room home set apart when things are not going well and I'm suffering. But what he's saying is, is this is spiritual delight of learning to delight ourselves in the Lord and following Him and following His ways, that even if I don't get the praise of man or the applause of man or a brother and sister to affirm what our home's doing, we delight in doing it unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 3, the prophet Isaiah gives a a prophetic declaration about the coming branch, the root of Jesse, Jesus the King. And he says in verse 3, after saying the Spirit of the Lord will be upon him, he says that his delight is in the fear of the Lord. Watch this. And he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. That's interesting. Jesus, the Messiah, will not judge based on the natural seeing. He will not judge based on the natural hearing. Well, we know the Gospel of John demonstrates this where he said that Jesus only said what he heard the father say and he only did what he saw the father do what does that mean Jesus demonstrated a spirit dependent life he lived in dependency not upon what he saw not upon what he heard in culture he depended upon the spirit the eyes of faith depending on the leading of the Lord John 13 it said Jesus having come from God and knowing he would return to God, he understood that in between, God had given all things into his hand. All things into his hand. And Zechariah, I encourage you to read it this week in Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah is purposed, and now he's seeking to do good in obedience to the Lord. And the word of the Lord comes to Zechariah because Zechariah is facing some obstacles trying to keep him from doing good, moving forward in what he has purposed. And in verse 7 of Zechariah 4, when the word of the Lord comes to him, it says, Who are you, O great mountain? Ever felt like you had a mountain in front of you when you purposed to do good? When you purposed to be a follower of doing good in God's will? And the word of the Lord comes to him and says, Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain. And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Here is a mountain standing before Zerubbabel, before him being able to move forward and doing good. In fact, in verse 6, God tells him, he says, Listen, it's not by human might, it's not by your human understanding that you're going to be able to remove the mountain, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. How did Jesus Christ walk on earth, walk wisely, not falling into the snares of the religious around him. Not falling into the traps set by the enemy and the temptations in the wilderness. How did Jesus walk completely in obedience to the Father? Because he delighted himself in the Lord and he depended on the Spirit. And here he tells Zerubbabel, he said, you've purposed to do good. But there's a mountain standing before you. And you're not going to be able to deal with that mountain in your own understanding and your own might. But it's by my Spirit. You're going to have to declare grace, grace to it. It's it's by declaring grace, grace to it that you're going to bring forth the capstone. You know who the capstone is? Jesus Christ. It's by declaring grace, grace to the mountain, you're going to bring forth the manifestation of Christ. Now watch this. The angel who comes and gives him the the word of the Lord, he asks, he shows him something, he asks Zerubbabel, he says, What do you see? One of the things he saw is he saw the menorah. He saw the lampstand of God with seven lamps, the seven bowls. And then he says in verse 10, he says, do you know what you are seeing? He says, no. He said, listen, for these seven, these are the eyes of the Lord. Now, I'm about to, I'm about to go through something in the next couple minutes that's deep. And you're going to have to go mine it out this week if you want to get. But there's revelation on this. I got it this week. Listen. He says, these seven, these are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. Now you go read in Revelation. Revelation chapter 1 and 3. And when the apostle John gets the visions, he sees what Revelation calls the seven spirits of God. And it says the seven spirits of God are the seven eyes of the Lamb. The Lamb is Jesus. Same thing that that God shows the rubable. You can read about it in my second book called Building with Balance. But the seven spirits of God are the seven aspects of the ministry of the Holy Spirit that's called the eyes of the Lord Jesus. The eyes of the Lord Jesus. Now what's interesting about this is that Here is Zerubbabel purposed to move forward in doing good. But there's a mountain standing in his way. And the word of the Lord comes to him and says, Zerubbabel, you're going to have to shout to the mountain, Grace, grace. Grace, grace. Now watch this. Jesus has grace for whatever type of mountain that's before us. Oftentimes, though, what we think we need is not what we actually need. You hear me talking often. Oftentimes when it comes to financial issues, we think we need more money. And money's not the answer. What we find here is in Isaiah 11:2, when it talks about the Spirit of the Lord being upon Jesus, it says in Isaiah 11 2, the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might, the Spirit of knowledge, and the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. It lists six of the seven spirits of God, the workings of the Holy Spirit, the seventh was referred uh, was waited until the new covenant called the Spirit of Revelation. You read about it in Ephesians one. Now here's the point, is that love doesn't move mountains. Grace moves mountains, but the aspect of grace that's needed, is faith. Jesus has grace for whatever mountain we face or whatever manifestation of Jesus we need. Sometimes, and this is where the Bible is so detailed and specific, it's amazing. Sometimes, it's not just knowledge we need, we need understanding. Sometimes, it's not understanding we need, we need wisdom watch this, sometimes for you to be able to deal with the mountain before you, you know what you need first? The fear of the Lord. You have to first do what I talked about in the beginning. you got a purpose in your heart that I've always had this in my life. I've always hit this mountain. I haven't been able to move forward in this issue in my life, but I'm going to have a red room heart, a heart that's purposed to experience the manifest Jesus in this area of my life. Now watch this. That's getting the fear of the Lord. And you can have the fear of the Lord and not yet have the manifestation of His victory yet. But that's where God begins to start. Because what does He do? His eyes are upon the righteous and He's looking for a heart that purposes. I want God's will in this area of my life. Then once He sees a purposed heart, He begins to ponder our path of how to move us towards that. You have to start shouting to the mountain before you, Grace, grace. And the Holy Spirit will begin to manifest, listen, in the way that's needed. If you go read Proverbs in 8, and throughout Proverbs, when it talks about how God created all of the earth and the heavens, it says, listen, by wisdom He founded the earth. But by understanding He established the heavens. Watch this. It talks about a house is built by wisdom. By understanding its frame. But watch this. It says the rooms are filled with knowledge. So there's some points in the journey of our life being built according to the image of Jesus where I don't just need wisdom or I don't need understanding. I need knowledge about this room and this issue. There's other times I need the fear of the Lord just to get motivated to even confront and deal with the mountain. To not be back in passivity. To not let the enemy continue to steal and to kill and destroy and hold us captive. But listen... Jesus has, a, has grace for it. But you got us, listen, it's not by might, nor by power, nor earning it. You have to say grace, grace to the mountain. You have to say grace, grace. The Holy Spirit, of course, is referred to as the spirit of grace. And it's in this that the manifestation of the capstone, Jesus, comes forth. Comes forth. Some of you, maybe what you need is not what you think you need. What you need is you need God's grace to give you counsel. Notice in Isaiah eleven two when it talked about what would be upon Jesus and one of the workings of the anointing of God, it says might, strength. God's got strength for the weary. Sometimes we do need wisdom. Sometimes we do need knowledge. Sometimes we need counsel. God's got grace for this in Jesus' name, whatever your this is. There is the red room of our hearts, and there is the red room of our homes, and then there is the red room of our mouths. You know, a healthy mouth and healthy gums are red. I, I twice, in the last twenty years of of, of fasting, twice got a condition during fa- fasting that coats your tongue white. It's called something from Shio, Pit- ketosis or pitosis or something. I looked it up, but it's not from God. I assure you. <laughs> but normally a, a healthy mouth is red. The red room of our mouth. Notice 1 Peter 3 and verse 15. It says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Notice it says, And always. And always. What's the and always? Coming off of sanctify... The Lord as Lord in your desires and affections, in your aim. What this means is, listen, we are called as followers of Jesus not just to an inward surrender, but to an outward stance. We're not just called to an inward surrender. He said, and always. Yes, there's the inward sanctifying of allowing the Lord to rule in our cardia and our hearts and our desires and our affections, but then he also says, and always. Always what? Being an outward stance of preparedness and readiness. That we are ready by being purposed. Purposed to move forward in the will of God. Purposed in the red room of our hearts. To have a heart set apart for the Lord. Listen, hearts don't stay on fire for Jesus by accident. Hearts stay on fire for Jesus because someone purposed in their heart, even when their heart was cold. I want to burn for Jesus. Homes don't continue to do what's good just passively and happen to just fall into consistently being good. Homes become a red room home because they purpose we're going to follow good. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. They purpose it before. And it's the same with the red room of our mouths. We're purposed. We're ready by Christ ruling as the priority of our hearts. We're surrendered, we're yielded, we're open to the King's use. And now we're ready to give a defense. See, listen, you and I are only always ready when Jesus is always set as Lord in your desires. You can only always be ready when Jesus is always Lord in your desires. You won't be ready if Jesus is not already ruling as Lord in your desire. So I'm surrendered inward so that I'm always ready outward. Ready for what? Well, notice what he says. To give a defense. To give a defense. We live in a culture that's trying to now, through pressure and intimidation, mandate people to give an apology. Listen to me. I will not give an apology for the things of Jesus. I will not give an apology for my hope, but I will give you an apologia, which is the Greek word for defense. It's where we get what's called apologetics of the Christian faith. I'll not apologize for my faith, but I'll give you an apologetics for my faith. What is that? Listen, I'll give a verbal defense. And verbal reasoning for why I live the way I live, for the hope that I have. This is what all of us are called to. But we're only always ready to give an apologetic, to give a defense for the hope that we have. We're only always ready to do that when inwardly He is sitting as Lord of our desires and our will. So listen, what Peter's saying is our life at first is not to make sense to an outsider. But it is to make sense to them after we defend our reasoning for it. Did you know that even if an unbeliever disagrees with what we said, it still is to make sense to them of why we live why we live. They should walk away after our apologetics saying, you know what, I don't agree with you. But if I did believe that Jesus is Lord, if I did believe that Jesus is coming, I understand why I would live like you. That is what an apologetics does. Defending why we live the way we live. So what this means is is you and I are not just to be purposed to have a heart, a red room heart. We're we're not just going to have Christ set as Lord in the priority of our life, but it means we're also on an ongoing journey of preparation. That preparation is always ongoing. You and I should be getting stronger and stronger and stronger daily in our ability to defend the hope that we have. Whether it comes to biology, of God creating and proving in biology that there's only male and female, That anybody else that claims otherwise, we know they are a liar when it comes to science. Does it matter what's in front of their name, behind their name? Does it matter what the government pays them? Biologically, we can defend. See, listen, the reason why so often, that's why he goes on and says, with meekness and fear, the reason so often we get defensive is because we're not prepared to defend. Wiser to fear truth. But if I've not been in ongoing preparation to know the truth, then I get a negative defense. I'm not to be defensive when I defend. Because it's like uh, some of the men of God before us said, Truth's like a line. It'll defend itself. Jesus, the line of the tribe of Judah, He is truth. And when you talk faithfully about Him, He'll defend, He'll witness to truth. Preparation's always ongoing. How to defend the hope we have in cultural issues when it comes to dealing with the order of the universe and when it comes to all kinds of different things of ethics and morality, always growing in our ability to defend. Notice what he says, for the hope that is in you. Hope that's in you. For you to be ready, you got to first know what your hope is. A lot of followers of Jesus are not clear on what their hope is. Let's make sure today we're clear. What is the hope of the follower of Jesus? First, it's Christ. Christ, Peter says, is our living hope. He himself is our hope, but notice this hope is in you because the New Testament is now Christ in you. Listen, you and I have hope that Christ in us is our sufficiency for what we are facing. He he is our sufficiency for the mountains in front of us. He is our sufficiency for the day we live in. He is our hope within us because we are confident He's always with us. The hope of the follower of Jesus is also His return. That Jesus will return. And when He returns, His rewards are with Him. The hope of followers of Jesus is that He will reward us. For our obedience to Him now. He will reward us to our faithfulness to Him now. He will reward us to our yieldedness to the work of His Spirit in our life now. He'll reward us when He returns. This is hope. The hope of the follower of Jesus is that He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth where only righteousness dwells. Where there is no wickedness or unrighteousness. That His eyes are on me. His eyes are on you, follower of Jesus. Our hope is that Jesus alone is our righteousness with the Father. And He alone delivers us from the wrath to come. This is the hope of followers of Jesus. Notice then He says to everyone who asks you. Listen, this is outside the gathering. This is not the pastor giving the defense. This is not the equippers of Ephesians 4.11 giving the defense. This is not the Bible scholar giving the defense. This is you giving the defense. This is neighboring. This is you living as an instrument of Christ. You as the body of Christ in that place, whatever that place is, in that neighborhood, in that moment, in that workplace, in that office space, in that career. So what Peter is saying is live the hope, then be ready to share the hope. Live the faith, then be ready to share the faith. Because, listen, sanctified hearts always leads to sanctified mouths. Hearts that are set apart as a red room for the king always lead to mouths that become a red room, surrendered and ready for the king's use. Sanctified hearts always leads to ready mouths. Listen, this is Peter dealing with the theme of spiritual declaration. Spiritual declaration. Sanctified schedules always lead to a spiritual declaration. And then he says this declaration is with meekness and fear. Why? Listen, the fear of the Lord liberates from the fear of man. That's why he said, do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. It's amazing. Just this last week, I told Michelle, I said, Well, you must have had a must be a decent day when you get a a demon to manifest. But just the other day, I, I was at the bank with my son, and you know, now I hadn't been able to go in the bank in over a year. And um and so got all these deposits, and you got to go through the drive-thru. So I'm there getting all these deposits, and, you know, there's not already ready, available for you, deposit slips. So, yeah, I have to first get deposit slips, and then it's just a whole process. So, all of a sudden, I hear all this yelling. And so, I'm looking, I'm like, what is that? And I didn't know what it was. So, I keep doing my deposits. I hear it again. I look up, and the guy behind me is absolute raging. I mean, he's raging. He's manifesting. And I felt You ever felt that when that that spirit of anger tries to come on you and try to intimidate? I felt it try to come on me. Well, I've been preparing for this message. I said, "Uh uh-uh, don't be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. All you're about to do is make me go a little slower in Jesus' name. But he he says with meekness and fear. Why? Because listen, the fear of the Lord liberates from the fear of man. So I'm purposed. Jesus is placed as priority. Preparation is always ongoing. The red room of our hearts, the red room of our homes, the red room of our mouths leads to what I'm calling the red room life. Notice again in First Peter 3, 12. Come on, Gigi. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is He who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for, suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of the threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. With meekness and fear, having a good conscience. That when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Notice he said there in verse 16, having a good conscience. This is the call for you and I as followers of Jesus is that we live a red room life. We live with a conscience that is cleansed. That we allow the only thing that can cleanse our conscience continually cleanse us as we go through life. The blood of Jesus. That we allow the blood of Jesus to continue to cleanse us To wash us. Because listen, the blood qualifies followers of Jesus for usefulness. The blood of Jesus qualifies you and I as a follower of Jesus. To be an instrument of righteousness. To be an instrument of Jesus Christ. To be an instrument of the capstone. To be an instrument. To shout grace, grace to mountains. And to see the Holy Spirit manifest in the unique way that's needed to deal with the mountain that's before us. See, listen, everybody's going to suffer in this life. So I thought if we're going to suffer in this life, why not you and I be sure to purpose then we're going to suffer for righteousness' sake. What is the red room life? Listen, the red room life is living out the mystery of the new covenant. Where Paul says, the mystery now is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That Christ lives in us. We are the temple of God. We are the dwelling place of God. That Jesus, listen, He gave up His life where He could have lived on earth forever. Because He was sinless. And the wages of sin is death. But because he never sinned, he never deserved to die. He could have lived on earth forever. But he willingly laid down his life and embraced the death you and I deserve. Watch this. So that God, through the mystery, made a way for now Christ to live in all of us. See, listen, when Jesus was on earth, he could only be at one place at one time, he only had one physical body. He limited himself when he took on flesh. The kenosis, Philippians 2. But now the mystery is through the new covenant. Christ has made a way through His people, through you and I. That when He's wanting to manifest, when He's wanting to reveal Himself, He's got a body in that place. He's got a member of His body in that place. That throughout the nations of the world, throughout different career fields, He's got His body. He's got a member of His body there that through them... He can manifest. He can manifest in that city. He can manifest in that office. He can manifest in that country. He can manifest in that neighborhood. He can manifest in that nation. He can manifest through you and I in such a time as this. Listen, our body is ready for the Lord's use. Only when He's already sitting as Lord in the red room of our heart when we are purposed when he is priority when we're receiving ongoing preparation to give a defense we are now ready as the lord needs and listen this is the vision god's called us as a community to of manifesting christ in many ways to many people in many ways Because sometimes the manifestation that someone needs to deal with their mountain is not what we think it is. Sometimes they first need the fear of the Lord, where they purpose in their heart, I'm going to set apart my heart to seek the Lord. Seek His will for my life sometimes is that they've been trying to deal with the mountain, deal with the obstacle, but they it's like they're beating their head against the wall. They don't know how to, to, to get through it, to overcome it, to experience the promise that's yes and amen. And so what they need maybe is they need the manifestation of wisdom. That this is the way. This is Peter bringing up the theme of spiritual demonstration. Like Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 and 7, he talks about the manifestation of the Spirit. What I have found is those who live the red room life, they see the manifestation of the Spirit more. Hearts that are always inwardly surrendered, ready for the Lord's use. They see the manifestations of the Spirit, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. They see it more readily. Why? Think about the example of the lid. You're the Lord's presence in a place. You're the Lord's body in a place. And the Lord is ready to manifest, to reveal Himself as the understanding someone needs, as the knowledge someone needs, as the fear of the Lord someone needs, as the wisdom someone needs, as the might someone needs. But He goes to manifest. But the capstone Jesus can't be brought forth because there's blockage, believe it. Our heart hasn't been prepared like a red room for the king. Our heart has not been set apart ready for the Lord's use. And so the Lord goes to manifest but He can't manifest and live through His body because the heart doesn't have Him sitting as Lord. Where the other way is someone's thirsty for a drink, they're thirsty for hope. And Jesus is ready to manifest Himself through you and I in that place and (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha! I've been in both of those places before at different times of my life. I've had times the Lord try to work within to prophesy. Because He wouldn't set His priority, He couldn't get through my heart. I've had times of defeat like that but it doesn't change the fact that I've seen him be able to manifest at times. We all come to different crossroads at different times of our life. and There are opportunities for you and I to determine because he's given us the authority of what we're going to purpose in our heart. Are we going to purpose in our heart that it's going to be a red room set apart for the king? That Lord, I'm going after your will. i Coming after you. And in the process, any and every mountain that seeks to stand in the way, I just know that you have grace for it. And I'm going to start prophesying your grace to it, your grace to it to bring forth the manifestation of your spirit regarding what it is I'm facing. Will you? Have a red room, a place set apart for the king. Where your purpose, Jesus' priority, preparation is ongoing. Hearing from our text today the themes, come on, band, of spiritual disciplines, spiritual delight, spiritual declaration, spiritual demonstration. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.